God's been speaking to me in, in this series, this series, Family Forward. And God's been speaking to me particularly about how I view myself moving forward. You know, like God's been going crazy in my life and my family's life the last eight years. I walked into Oasis September of 2018. So this September will be crazy enough, my ninth year since I've walked into Oasis. Like, it doesn't feel like nine years, it feels like a hundred. And God has done so much in my life, but I feel like some of those things that have happened in my life weren't God. They were me trying to do more and be more. And when you um, do that, sometimes people get left behind that you don't want to be left behind. And so I'm committed this year in my own life, and we're committed as a church to move at a pace that isn't good for people who are indifferent and don't care, but to move at a pace where if you want to be a part of Oasis, we, we want to get what God has for us together. And this is what Family Forward is all about. It's about not us, I, you have to have a personal faith with God, I get it. But this is about, as a church, not individualizing our faith too much. What I mean by that is not if you came to church and you got a good word and you were encouraged and God bless you this year, that you would be satisfied not having any idea that the person next to you might be in their worst season, might feel suicidal, might feel discouraged, that you would just say, you know what? No man left behind, no woman left behind. We're moving forward as a family. I, I'm not gonna over-personalize my faith in Jesus because we are the body of Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says we are the family of God. And so I wish we had a more exciting title than Family Forward, but I think it's a prophetic one. I think it's one that's gonna open up your hearts to what God could really do if we get in unity and move forward as a family. And so today I'm gonna to be preaching from Luke chapter um, 19. Did I say Luke chapter 19? That's the right one. All right. My papers are out of order. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. Jesus, this, the Bible does this all, to me all the time when I'm, when I'm preaching or when I'm trying to read the Bible. It, it says something that lets me know something happened before it. And so instead of doing the Bible study for that verse, I got to then read the rest of it because like I was doing a Bible study for this and Luke chapter 19, verse 28 says, after telling this story. So I feel like I can't move forward because I need to figure out whatever story Jesus told. And I want you to do the same thing because I'm not going to do it now because I don't have time. Read your Bible. Thank you. Anyway, Luke chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus, it says, after telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks why are you untying that colt, just say the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, um, as he got in on the ride along, there was a ride along. If you haven't seen that movie, don't worry about it. That joke was way funnier in my head. It's cool. 
the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees, the religious leaders at that time among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. But Jesus replied, I love this reply. If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Other translations said if they kept quiet, if they didn't worship, the rocks would cry out. It means that Jesus doesn't need you to worship. You were, angels worship Jesus 24 hours, 24 seven. If you didn't, the Bible says stones would begin to say hallelujah. He says, if you didn't worship, the rocks would cry out. What a powerful passage of scripture. You know, as I've been thinking and praying about this sermon series, Family Forward, I have to think about what would move me forward as, as a follower of Jesus, what would move us forward as a church, but also what makes me stuck in the first place, what is preventing me from moving forward. And one of the things that I believe that prevents me from moving forward is my obsession, my addiction to being better to be things being bigger, to things being better. When there's something in my life that isn't the way that I wanted, want it to be, I try to control it. When there's something about me that isn't the way I want it to be, I try to fix it. When there's something about somebody else that isn't the way I want it to be, I try to tell them about it. I'm just obsessed with everything being better and I think I'm doing God a favor. I think I'm helping God out. And so I'm wrestling with this passage of scripture because I cannot, I'm not God, but if I was, there is no way that the method of transportation that I would use would be a donkey. Kings, when they came with donkeys, they were bringing peace, they were bringing gifts, but a king that was looking to bring change showed up on a horse because a horse meant war. I'm gonna force you to do what I want you to do. And so them seeing Jesus riding in on a donkey was just, to me, I, I, I would have been thinking that's unusual. If I was God, I'm not gonna ride in on a donkey. I would have made sure that Elon Musk would have been invented or would have been created at that time so that he could invent the Tesla. And I would have rode in on a Tesla. I'm not riding in on a donkey. I'm not riding, why would I ride in on a donkey? Why would I choose a donkey? There's nothing glorious or spectacular about a donkey, but yet a donkey was what Jesus chose to usher him in to Jerusalem. And I'm wrestling with this because of my obsession with constantly needing to be better. You know, yesterday, um, my wife hosted Amy Luna's baby shower. And um, because she hosted Amy Luna's baby shower, um, I had a responsibility that my wife had given me. Bailey um, was, ha uh, was, was attending the birthday party of a school friend. And so my wife wanted me to take Bailey to the birthday party. And so I said yes. And 
I, I can tell you if, you, if you know me personally, you know I've said this, if you've taken some of the internship programs that we've had here, you would know that I have said that it has been two years since I have felt tangible anxiety. Two years. And yesterday <laughs> was the first time that the anxiety came rushing back. I don't know what it is, but my, my daughter, it's a, Christina was preparing, I get it, she couldn't help me, I, she couldn't be there for me, I understand. She was preparing for the party, but she didn't tell me that I have to comb my daughter's hair. And I felt like the devil was trying to attack me because Bailey went to bed with curls and woke up with dreadlocks. Like, what, what is going on? And I tried to get the comb to go through her hair and it got stuck. And the, the Lord gave me a word, you might feel stuck in this season. No, that's not what happened. But the comb did get stuck, and I'm sitting there trying to do her hair, and I'm just not feeling good enough. So then I finally get her hair into a ponytail, if you could call it that. And we're, we're going to California Pizza Kitchen, and I'm literally feeling anxiety as the escalators are going up towards CPK in Studio City, and I realized this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, pick up your cross and follow me, because the road to this birthday party felt like the road to the cross. I was overwhelmed, and then I was anxious, and so I opened the door, and there were moms everywhere. And as a man, there's something about stepping into a room of moms that lets you know you don't know what you're talking about. Right? They just knew what they were doing, and I felt like I felt like I didn't know who I was. Someone said, who are you? I said, Bailey's dad. I don't have a name. I've lost all identity. I'm just Bailey's dad. I don't know who I am anymore. There was kids everywhere. And then I'm just feeling overwhelmed. I don't know who I am. I'm just Bailey's dad. And then so they started singing happy birthday. And I'm under my breath. I am who you say I am. <laughs> You are for me, not against me. I am who you, I'm just overwhelmed, like singing worship to myself with a room full of like six-year-old girls. I've never felt so much anxiety in my life. And so then I'm sitting at a table and this woman comes and sits down and we have this great conversation. And in the middle of this great conversation, she tells me she's an atheist. And I say, that's awesome. I'm a pastor, and I love to talk to atheists. She's like, that is so weird. Like, you as a pastor want to talk to an atheist? I said, listen, obviously I'm a pastor. We don't agree on some things, but I actually don't have that big of an issue with, a, with an atheist per se. You know what bothers me the most? I'm telling her this. What bothers me the most is someone who claims they're a Christian, but don't do anything about it. Don't obey them. Don't love them. Don't like, that's actually what, if there were be something that bothers me would be that, but atheists don't bother me at all. Like, I, whatever, you know, this. So she starts saying, wow, wow this is, wow, this is interesting. So we start talking about life, and we start talking about faith. You know what she said? She said, can I be honest with you? I said, absolutely. She says, I, I don't have any offense that you have faith or people have faith, but you know what I feel? Faith in Christianity is for weak people. You know what I said to her? You are so right. You just helped me. In this season of my life, 
I've been trying to be strong. Christianity and faith in Jesus is for weak people. And I said, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible where Paul asked God to take away a thorn three times. He wants to be stronger than he is. He doesn't want to be a donkey. He wants to be a noble steed, whatever that is. <laughs> and the Bible says that God, each time God said his grace is sufficient, his power is made perfect in weakness. I want to encourage you. It's true. Faith is for weak people. It's not that we are strong. We're weak people who serve a strong God. That is Christianity. So I tell her, I'm like, look, this is how it works. I just got tired of living in my own strength. I said, you know, there's only one difference between me and you, right? Let me tell you one of the, I'm telling her this, let me tell you the biggest issue, one of the biggest issues I believe in all of humanity. It's the gap between what you want to do and what you do and the gap between who you want to be and who you are. I think the biggest issue in all of humanity is dealing with that gap. The difference between me and you is what we allow to fill in that gap. For example, I just used to want to be stronger. I used to want to be better. I used to want to do things on my own. I want to educate myself. Now I allow Jesus to fill in that gap with grace. I allow myself to fill in that gap with faith. Here is the only difference between me and you. What do you put in your gap? Most people I know that aren't believers in Jesus fill that gap with guilt. She said, oh my gosh, me and my friends are some of the guiltiest people I know. So that's the difference. It's just what we put in the gap. And I saw she had like tears in her eyes. And all of a sudden, one of these little bad little girls came, knocked something over and ruined the whole moment. I thought I was getting ready to lead her to Jesus. And here come one of these little kids, man. Get behind me, Satan. And, uh, <laughs> but I had to be okay. That's all God wanted me to do in that moment is tell her the truth and tell you the truth that Christianity is for weak people. And in that moment, I started to say, I need to do something with this obsession, with being bigger, with being better, with everybody being better, with things being better, my circumstances being better. And I'm, I'm reading this passage of scripture and I realized that Jesus used a donkey. I don't know if you've ever felt like a donkey or been called a donkey. Maybe somebody else used another terminology that explains what a donkey is. But I want to encourage you that sometimes we spend so much time reflecting on, on how we need to be better. And I do think there's a place for that. I do think the Bible is very clear that you need to turn from sin. You need to repent. But I'm talking about what about the unhealthy way of doing that where you think that God won't use you? We're talking about family forward. And here's what's crazy about a donkey. Jesus said, I want you to go. I want you to find a donkey. You'll find the donkey. The donkey will be tied up. It's a young donkey that's never been ridden. A donkey has a bad reputation for being stubborn. But the reality is a donkey is a very highly intelligent animal. The reasons why donkeys have a reputation for being stubborn is donkeys typically will not move for a rider they do not know. If someone that has never met the donkey sits on a donkey, the donkey says, I am not going anywhere. Or if it's a rider they do know and they perceive that that rider is trying to take them into a situation that they seem deem dangerous, they will stop moving forward. 
As we're talking about this series, Family Forward, I realized that some of us are like that. The, Jesus' hand is on our life. Jesus is on us, but we won't move forward because we don't know him. Wow. Or you actually do know the Lord, but you feel like God is leading you into a season where you've had less money than you've ever had and you stop. Or God's leading you into a season where things aren't the way you want them to look. He's leading you down a path that seems dangerous and you're like, I don't, I'm not going anywhere. This is why Jesus used a donkey, but yet this particular donkey didn't need to know the rider. Some reason when Jesus sat on the donkey, the donkey moved forward. This is a, thank you for clapping, that was great. Like odd timing, but that's okay. Um, but I just wanna encourage you, I wanna encourage all of you that maybe the church just needs to be a bunch of untied donkeys. Maybe we don't need to spend so much time. See, if you're tied up trying to make yourself better, no, 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 no. If you are a captive, if you are in bondage, maybe now's not the time for you to be better. Maybe now's the time to just get untied. I, I want to give you a passage of scripture in, in the book of, of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, John was one of Jesus' main disciples. Um, he was this disciple who is the one whom Jesus loved. He walked with Jesus for three years and we were singing this song, Show Me Your Glory. And the Bible says in Revelation 1 that Jesus appeared in a vision to John with such a glory that John had walked with him for three years and, and he was afraid. In, in Revelation 1, verse 17, it says, when I saw him, this is John speaking, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Hades is translated from the Greek, hell. Jesus told John, I hold the keys. John was faced with the reality of who Christ was. Christ had showed up with such a glory that John, who was a disciple, who had communion with Jesus, was there at the Last Supper, that John, who proclaimed in the Gospels, he was the one whom Jesus loved, but now some years later, he has a vision of Jesus, and now John is feeling like a donkey, feeling not good enough in the presence of God, and God, Jesus, tells John, I have the keys. This is important because God's people used to have the keys. Every Bible scholar agrees that when this passage of scripture is being preached, Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection, snatch the keys from the devil. So now the devil cannot lock you up because he doesn't have the key. You need to know this because you need to know how the devil got the keys in the first place. Keys to the kingdom, keys represent authority. Keys represent, I can lock you up and it's up to me if you get out. How did the devil get the keys? The devil got the keys from Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God. Jesus got the keys back when he died for the disobedience that started with Adam. So now the devil used to have the keys, but Jesus has them now. But Jesus got the keys from Adam and Eve. And why did Adam and Eve give him the keys? They disobeyed God. Why did they disobey God? 
They didn't disobey God with sex before marriage. They didn't disobey God with drugs. They didn't disobey God at the club. They disobeyed God with their own attempt of trying to be better. The Bible said that the devil said, you, you, God doesn't want you to eat that because he knows you will be like him, knowing the difference between good and evil, in their attempt to be better, in their attempt to be like God, they chose to go a path that would make them immediately better as opposed to doing it from a relationship with God. And the Bible says after they did it, they felt like a couple of donkeys, ashamed, hiding from God. Fast forward to the end of the Bible. In Revelation, Jesus is telling John that I I have the keys. And that's where faith starts. When you put your faith in Jesus, you can be untied because Jesus has the keys. The problem with the church, especially if you've been following Jesus for a while, is that we don't know what Jesus did with the keys he took from the devil. I want to show you in Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19, what Jesus did with those keys that he took from the devil with his death. He's prophesying what he's going to do with those keys. Matthew 16, verse 18 through 19, he's talking to Peter. This is the first verse in the Bible that brings up the church. You want to know why church? You want to know why you should come to church? You want to know why you should be a part of this family? You want to know how you can move forward? Here's why. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Didn't say that they won't open. It says that they will not overcome the church. You separate yourself from the church, you are actually prime targets for the gates of hell. It says the gates of hell won't, won't prevail against the church. And then he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus do with the keys? He gave them to the church. And what does the church do with those keys? This is for somebody that feels tied up. It says, I will give you the keys, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know what loosed means in the Greek? It means to be untied. I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of God is in this place telling you, you know how Adam and Eve, you know how this whole need for a Savior started? Because Adam and Eve didn't want to be weak. Adam and Eve wanted to be better. And they didn't want to do it through relationship. They wanted to do it right now. And they gave the keys up to the devil. And then Jesus died and took the keys back. And now as parts of the church, as a family moving forward, we've been given the keys. And an untied donkey that gives Jesus a place to sit will move forward. You know that God didn't, Jesus didn't show up and turn the donkey into a more, a better animal. The donkey just gave Jesus a place to sit, and the Bible says that the donkey moved. A donkey that does not move unless it knows the rider moved when Jesus was on him. And I want to tell you that all you need to do is allow the Lord to untie some things in your life and let Jesus come upon you. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came in such a power that tongues of fire, the Bible says that tongues of fire came and sat on them. They were praying and praising and they gave Jesus a place to sit and the whole church moved forward. Do you know that you can be broken? Do you know that you can be struggling? And do you know that if you would just 
give Jesus a place to sit that you could move forward. You know your praise gives Jesus a place to sit? The Bible says that the Lord is enthroned, sitting down on the praises of his people. When I get up here and tell you to praise God, it isn't because I've had 16 coffees. It's because I'm trying to get the church, I'm trying to get a bunch of people to give Jesus a place to sit. It sets up a throne. You know, God has two thrones. Jesus has two thrones, one in heaven and one on your praise. And demons don't like it when Jesus has a place to sit. So he keeps telling you, you're a donkey. You're not good enough. Keep complaining. Keep worrying. Keep stressing. Keep trying to do it yourself. Keep eating from the tree. God just knows you'll be like him. And you could just say, you know what? I might be a donkey, but I'm about to be untied, and I'm about to give Jesus a place to sit. Jesus is... And an untied donkey can usher Jesus into a city. We're believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Los Angeles, but an untied donkey led Jesus into Jerusalem. You might think you need to be better for there to be an outpouring in Los Angeles, but I'm telling you right now, an untied donkey letting Jesus sit on him could bring into a move of God. Jesus sits on your praise. When you praise God, you give Jesus a place to sit. When you pray, you give Jesus a place to sit. You want me to read 2 Chronicles 20? I'm going to invite the team to come up. I'm going to invite the team to come up. 2 Chronicles 20, I'm going to show you because many of you are in a fight. And 2 Chronicles 20 verse 16 talks about some people who are in a fight. Anybody feel like they're in a battle? Anybody feel like this season? Right? We keep saying this year is our year. Yes, it will be. If you give Jesus a place to sit and you allow fear to untie, you allow discouragement to untie, whatever you are tied to, Jesus has given you the keys. And an untied donkey can usher in the glory of the Lord. I want to read 2 Chronicles 20, verse 16 through 22. They're in this battle. And, and notice that God doesn't make them better soldiers. It just says, tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up in the wilderness of Juriel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Oasis. O oh, people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground and prayed, because prayer gives Jesus a place to sit. And the Bible says all the people of Judah and Jerusalem and Oasis did the same thing, worshiping the Lord, because worshiping gives Jesus a place to sit. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord because praising God gives Jesus a place to sit. And the Bible says they gave him not just a normal praise, but a shout of praise because a shout of praise gives Jesus a place to sit. Then early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness because sometimes the wilderness season gives Jesus a place to sit. 
and it says on the way Josephat stopped and said listen to me all you people of Judah in Jerusalem believe in the Lord because believe in God gives Jesus a place to sit and then he says you will be able to stand and believe in his prophets because believing the word gives Jesus a place to sit. You might be in the house of God feeling like a donkey, but I want to know would you let the Spirit of God untie you right now? Is there about 200 people that want to give Jesus a place to sit? I'm going to praise God and give Jesus a place to sit. I might not even be different. I might still be drinking. I might still be in sin. But right now, I'm going to take this moment to give my God, my Savior, a place to sit. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise. Do you feel it in this house? Give him a shout of praise. 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 A great big shout. Not to make me feel better. Not to hype yourself up. But to give Jesus a place to sit down. Because when Jesus 